Welcome to Firm Foundation. In these times of shifting standards and faulty foundations, there is a solid place on which to build a victorious life. And that place is the Firm Foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Your host for Firm Foundation is Brian Hudson, a Bible teacher, pastor, author, and producer of Life Enriching Media. All right, the next slide I'm going to show you is something that I want to share with you. I've shared on my Facebook page and with some friends. I have a hobby, you may be aware of, astrophotography. I got telescopes and lenses and all kind of stuff, and I, you know, I go out when the night is clear and just you know, set things up and take pictures of space. And this is something called the Christmas Tree Nebula. You see the shape of the tree in there? Yeah. And uh, what's amazing, all these items in space look like something. And this object here, I will share with you, is uh, over 5,000 light years from Earth. And our sun is one of the small stars in there. And this thing, the night sky, is bigger than three and four moons put together. So imagine three or four moons is bigger than the moon in the sky. Now, the problem is you can't see it. It's too dim to see. To get a picture of it, I have to take, this is actually about 30 pictures of five minutes each. Almost two and a half hours of constant pictures stacked on top of each other. And so the thing about these things I do is it has no bearing on my faith. I walk by faith, not by sight. I don't need none of that to have faith in God. But it makes me rejoice and be glad that we serve the creator of these wonders. The heavens declare the glory of God. And so that, that's an example I wanted to show you. I've got a whole lot more, but it's Christmas time. I bring this one up right now, okay? Enjoy that. And know that God is so good. He's so faithful. He's so mighty and so powerful. And that we live in him. So I thank God for the opportunity to be able to look at these things and take pictures of these things and rejoice in God's power. Amen. Today, I want to talk to us about God's greatest gift. You got your Bible? Hold your Bible up or your device, wherever it is. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Because of it, I am who you said I am. I have what you said I have. And I can do what you said I can do. Lord, by your word and through your Holy Spirit, I'm anointed to hear words that bring wisdom, understanding, insight, revelation, and transformation for my spirit, my soul, my body, and my circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas time is a time of gift giving, among other things. But my topic today is God's greatest gift. And it's no secret what that might be. Let me go into this and help us appreciate uh, why Christ is the greatest gift of all. I'm going to read, first of all, from our text in Matthew chapter 2. And reading from verse 1, there it says, After Jesus was born... In Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, we often say wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born 
king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. First of all, this account of the Magi is only mentioned in Matthew's gospel. And also recognize that it says after Christ was born. So they did not show up the day of Jesus birth. They came perhaps up to two years later. All right. So they weren't there in Bethlehem. They went back to they visited Christ where Christ lived with Mary and Joseph. But the point was, these were magi were royalty. And they were coming to visit and see based on what God led them to understand that Christ had been born. So magi is a, by the way, it's a, it's a Persian term um, because it says they came from the east. Now, please note, they did not come from the west. That means they were not European. But the point, though, is that the Magi is derived from the word Magnus or Magus, which is a Persian word. And what lies east of Israel is Persia and a Parthian empire. So east wasn't as far as Japan. It's just east of east of Jerusalem. But then, uh, you know, when, when I was in high school, I had a, a teacher who wanted to well, Arlington High School has a planetarium in it. So he took us in there, tried to explain to us what the star of Bethlehem was. He said, well, it was a conjunction of, of, of Saturn and Jupiter. You know, all that kind of stuff. So no, I mean, whatever. But the Bible says they followed the star. They followed the star. You can't follow a star at night and day and night and travels. And the star wound up over Jesus. See, people sometimes in the world do not accept the supernatural or the miraculous. But make this, y'all, Jesus Christ's birth was a miracle. So that a miracle led them to a miracle makes sense to me. It was a miracle star, not a star like I showed you pictures of stars in heaven. It was not just a conjunction of some natural phenomenon. It was a supernatural appearance. Could be angels, whatever God arranged to have those magi follow and get direction and took them straight to Jesus. No GPS. No AAA maps. Come on now. Say God did it. <laughs> but I like this because it's interesting to me that the Magi were likely royalty. Some say they were kings. And by the way, there weren't just three wise men. The Bible doesn't say there were three. You know, tradition says three. Now, custom does dictate that sometimes they would do things in threes. But, but the Bible doesn't say three wise men. It says wise men, it says magi. So don't get caught up in all the details and, and try to figure out all that. Just understand that, that God led kings to see the king. Amen. That God <laughs> did a miracle so they could see a miracle. And the whole birth of Christ, we know, is miraculous. The fact that he was conceived in Mary's womb supernaturally. And, and that he was born without sin. And all this is important for us to understand. So the Magi, they, they brought gifts. And not just cheap gifts. That's why the Magi weren't just regular people. 
regular folk don't have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those are expensive items. And they brought their best to the, the infant king, Jesus. So the story continues. Verse 9. After they had heard the king, and by the way, Herod was jealous. Herod was a king. So Herod was jealous of King Jesus in order the slaughter of, you know, children under two years of age, a terrible time in Israel's history. So the Magi were directed, you know, they, well, the Magi wanted, the, Herod said, tell me where Jesus is. And Magi said, we don't think so. They just, they just redirected their way. Verse 9, after they heard the king, they, the wise men, went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them. You know, stars don't move. The stars are in space. They don't just move with you. You know what I'm saying? Went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So the Magi are a mystery because we don't know much about them. History tells you a lot of conjecture about them. All we know is these were three men, three obviously wealthy royalty types of men who were spiritual enough to hear God and know that God was leading them to the Savior. Amen. Now, I share that because I want to emphasize that, again, this gift, this uh, story, this message is about the greatest gift. So verse 11, story continues. On coming to the house, the house, right? Not the manger, right? They came to the house. They were home by then. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Now listen, y'all, it is idolatry to worship anybody but God. So Jesus is God, Emmanuel, God in the flesh. So they were worshiping God in Christ. Amen. And then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. So they brought their gifts to honor the greatest gift, Jesus Christ. Now, frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh are significant. I'm not sure if the Magi knew what they were bringing, why they brought it. My sense is they brought the best they could bring. You know, you always bring Christ your best. You bring Jesus Christ your best gift, don't you? Amen. Oh, just checking, okay. <laughs> well, gold, frankincense, and myrrh have significance because the gold represented a symbol of royalty. Gold is always attached to royalty and kings. Second, frankincense is a fragrant incense used in sacrificial offerings, representing that Jesus uh, was deity. Christ is royalty and he is deity. Deity means he is God. And third, myrrh, once it is heated and crushed, becomes an embalming oil as a token of the future suffering and death of Jesus. You see this now? See, God's arranging all of this supernaturally. I don't believe the Magi can, you know, got to, got to, you know what? This is going to be Jesus. Tell you what, you get the gold. 
I get the frankincense, you get the myrrh. No, God just arranged the whole thing supernaturally. And they brought those items that happen to represent royalty, deity, in his coming sacrifice. So the day he was born, he was destined to die for us. The day Christ was born, he was destined to die. So the question is, what is the perfect gift? Say, what is the perfect gift? Well, a perfect gift, even in Christmas time, when you get gifts and birthday gifts, whatever the gift might be, a perfect gift is said to meet three criteria. Number one, a perfect gift should reflect the one who gives it. Reflect the one who gives it. Obviously, when you give someone a gift, it's from your heart. It's from your life, from your thinking, your decision, your emotion. You're giving from yourself to the person. Number two, a perfect gift should reflect the knowledge of the one who receives it. So the gift means something to the person who's receiving it. So you know why you're giving it, and you know who you're giving it to. And you know a little bit about them, so the gift has significance to the one who receives it. Number three, the gift should be of a nature and quality that will hold its value as time goes on. And that's not, now, that's not most Christmas gifts. Amen, somebody. <laughs> a little toys under the tree. Now, now, some toys do last a long time now, but most stuff we, we give kids, they get consumed and, you know, toe up, all that. But now, I will say this. My grandchildren, to this day, play with a Tonka truck we gave to Michael, our oldest son. When toys were toys. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Same Tonka truck, metal, rubber and plastic, hard, you know what I'm saying? So, so the, 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 uh, Maxwell plays with the same truck at our house that his daddy played with. He was his age. So the point, though, is with the perfect gift, again, most gifts are not designed to be perfect gifts, but the perfect gift reflects the one who gives it. It reflects knowledge of the person who receives it. And it is of a nature and quality that it holds, it holds its value as time goes on. Let me suggest that according to these criteria, Jesus is the perfect gift. Can you say amen to that? God gave humanity the perfect gift when he sent his son Jesus, and he meets all the criteria of a perfect gift. Because number one, Jesus reflects the one who gave him, God the Father. Number two, Jesus' gift of his, God's gift of his son reflects knowledge of our needs. We needed a savior. It wasn't just some optional situation for us. We needed a savior. We needed to be saved from our sins and from all the stuff that has beat us down and held us down. And so that's the second criteria. Thirdly, Jesus Christ is a gift the nature and quality of him holds its value <laughs> as time goes by. There is no loss in value when you have Christ as your gift. Never diminishes in value. 
can't tear it up. Can't ruin it. And so then, look at these points. So, so then, on the first point, that Jesus Christ reflects the one who gave him. Hebrews 1 and 3 says that um, the Son reflects God's own glory, and everything about him represents God exactly. Hebrews 1 says that. 1 and 3 says that. So Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, not just a, a man, because he was born supernaturally, he is, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, some religions say, well, if Christ was a man, he couldn't be God. That's like saying because you have a child, they can't be human. Get that? Obviously, humans beget humans. So then, if Jesus Christ is begotten of God, he is God. God the Son. And so then, the Bible says plainly, he reflects God's own glory. Everything about him re re represents God exactly. Colossians says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That's the first criteria for the perfect gift. Secondly, that Jesus, as the perfect gift, represents the knowledge of our needs. Hebrews 2 and 14 says, And as much then as the children, the people, us, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, who had the power of death. The devil doesn't have the power of death, not, not in the ultimate sense. The devil can cause the physical body to die, but he cannot touch the spirit of a person who has been born again, had a rebirth in Christ. And then, again, God knows us. Hebrews 4.15 says, I love this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Talking about Jesus. He was tempted in all points. Say all points. Every way in which you're tempted, he was tempted the same way. But unlike, <laughs> unlike us, who caved in over and over and over again, <laughs> who yielded, Messed up. You know what I'm talking about. Sin, basically, right? Jesus never sinned. So here is someone who is made like us, human body, emotions, feelings, temptations, did not sin, and offers us the gift of new life, of a better life of a life that can, that can be free from the old ways. It's good, isn't it? In all ways, in all points, tempted as we are yet without sin. See, I need Jesus. Like I always tell you, when you need help, find somebody who can help you. Like I always say, if you, if you don't know, don't help me. 
If you don't have it, don't talk. Amen, somebody? Third, the third criteria for the perfect gift. Again, the gift of Jesus holds its value. Hallelujah. For all eternity, Jesus Christ is the gift that keeps on giving. It's a cliche, but it's true. Some gifts do keep giving. Really good gifts, you can value them, use those gifts. They keep contributing to your life in some kind of way. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life. Now that's a gift everybody needs. Because, you know, we work we work at life, we work at doing things, we work at living. But all of our work we get paid for because, let's face it, we all make mistakes, we all sin. Ultimately, the paycheck for our whole life is just death. That's the paycheck we're going to deserve without Christ. But the Bible here says, the truth is, but the gift, but, say but, the gift of God is eternal life. So really saying, pay attention to the second part, not the first part. Don't get fixed on the wages of sin is death. Yeah, that's true. But the gift of God is. Pay attention to this part right here. The gift of God is eternal life. And that gift keeps on giving. You know, I think about this. Uh, Sometimes we get gifts of gift cards. We get gift cards out. On our outreach, a lot of gift cards to different, different, uh, different companies, different restaurants and such like that. And, but, but some gift cards <laughs> have expiration dates on them. You better use this before the year is out. Or your points, you've, some, some, uh, some gifts, like for example, you get uh, frequent flyer miles if you travel. Well, they tell you now, you get an email, hey, it's going to expire end of the year. But while some gifts expire, Jesus' gift never expires. The new life, the peace, the joy, the healing, the provision, everything he said never, ever expires. Glory to God. So the perfect gift does not expire. So Jesus Christ is that perfect gift, no expiration, never will expire or go out of style, won't become outdated, won't become obsolete. Now I was going through my, you know, we, we, we clean things out. We got these spaces where all kind of junk were up in there. And as a tech guy, I got all kind of tech. I, I ran across, across a floppy drive, a floppy disk. A floppy, what's a floppy disk, young folks say? Well, don't worry about it. You can Google it, though. It was a plastic thing, square thing about this big, and it had a little flat piece of uh, plastic in there, and you insert that into the computer, and you would save your data to it. But not much data to it. <laughs> You save a little bit to it, you know, like you know, five megabytes or less. And I had other things like that. Point is, 
It's amazing how, how quickly things become obsolete. Professional video camera to Pastor Jerry many years ago. Pastor Jerry Williams and Riley Hannon camcorder. Beautiful looking thing. And, and, uh, but it became obsolete. He, he couldn't get to his mind like, this got to be worth something. It's got to be worth something. He, he kept trying to sell it. He tried to sell it. Nobody would buy it. And to offer him, he said, I'm going to sell it for this much money. It was a Canon X01, Asia. Beautiful looking thing. And he, how can this not have value? It's obsolete. Now you find a fool and convince them to buy it. Then you will feel bad when they find out you sold them an obsolete camera. He finally, he finally realized, he put it on the shelf. Don't even try to sell it or give it away. It, it'd be a terrible gift. Point is, aren't you glad that nothing in Christ is like that? Nothing in Jesus becomes obsolete. You got to put it up on the shelf for its lack of value. So the perfect gift holds its value for all eternity. Glory to God. That's the message today I have for you is the perfect gift is Jesus. There's no secret to this message. But I want to help you appreciate the value of the gift and encourage you to receive the gift. Again, a child is born. A son has been given. Christmas is about the coming of our Savior. Amen. A child is born. And that's the whole message throughout all the in the middle of all the marketing, and I mean, Christmas is a good time, giving gifts and receiving gifts is really good. It's a good thing. It really is. But don't lose focus. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. The greatest gift won't be under the tree, wrapped up with a bow on it. Those are nice gifts. Could have a lot of value in one way or another, but the only gift that has eternal value is the gift of eternal life. That is, you will never die. Or you'll suffer through this time and lifetime. You'll suffer and go through all kinds of stuff, but you will never die spiritually. The body one day is going to cease to be able to function in this world, but your spirit will go on to live with God forever. Amen? So God bless you. Merry Christmas to everybody. And let's just keep in mind and thank God that Jesus Christ is the perfect gift. Give God some praise. Go ahead and bless him. Amen. Thank you, Lord.